Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talk and Toppies with me, Peter and Andy, as always. Tonight, we're joined by Evolving Mindset Director, Mental Health Nurse and Huge Evertonian, Lee Monaghan. Lee, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, no worries, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Very welcome. So in this week's podcast, we'll be discussing our 2-1 win over Wolves. We'll be touching on the latest postponements due to COVID, as we were due to play Villa away. We'll be looking back at Wayne Nooney's Everton career, as well as looking ahead to Sheffield Wednesday at home in the FA Cup. So, lads, if we start with Wolves away, you got a good win. Uh, Andy, you were more optimistic than myself. I thought we'd do well to draw this, but in fairness, it was a brilliant performance. But before we go into the game, I just wanted to start with the team selection. I mean, not for the first time this season. It did raise many eyebrows. And, you know, we saw Guilty Sigurdsson was put up front. Luca Dean started at left mid. I'll start with you, Andy. What did you make of the lineup when you saw that? It's the same as quite a few games recently, especially when we were playing the three centre-halves and two wing-backs. It, it took me a few minutes to try and figure out what we were playing and where we were playing. And, and I heard the commentators alluding to that as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought we were going to struggle. I was quite um, you know, hopeful of getting the three points before the game, but when I seen the team sheets, you know, that hope started to dwindle away, really. But uh, I made up that I was wrong. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah. the performances that we did, but I wasn't too confident when I did see the starting lineup. I was the same. I mean, after the last two games we played and the form we were taking into the game, I thought once I saw that lineup, I thought the right was on the wall. but Hats off to Carlo. Uh, you know, I think the way he set us up, it did throw Wolves. I mean, for you, Lee, were you, were you surprised with, with that team selection or did it make sense given what he had available to him? I think he's one of those managers, isn't he? He's, he's, he's quite good at, um, you know, putting the players on the pitch with what he's got. Um, I just wanted to single out a couple of things. Uh, I think Ben Godfrey has been... You know, he's absolutely been fantastic for me this season. And, you know, he's, he's kind of fitted into whatever system Carlo's played, really. Um, you know, Luca Dean on the left, I totally agree with both of you there. It, it definitely threw Wolves a little bit. Obviously, great to see him back. Um, but I just think he's, he's he's getting the team playing together now. He's, he, you know, although they're, they're being so adaptable, um, you know, similar to Andy, when I looked at the lineup, I was struggling to sign him. Where, where are we playing? How, how, what formation are we going to play? And, you know, I think given, you know, the um, the form, as you said there, that we were bringing into it and trying to bounce back from that New Year's Day defeat, um, you know, for me, I think overall, it was a decent win, a good win away from Wolves. You know, good Wolves side, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we look at the, the first goal in particular, I think... In evidence that it did throw Wolves. If you look at Awobi's movements, yeah. no one was slacking him at all. And it was fantastic football from Everton. And, and you know, we did deserve to go in front of the doors. Hamez's range of passing, you know, to Farley Luka Dean and, and then Luka Dean laying it off to Awobi, who just passed it in the net. I mean, me and Andy have discussed in the past that when Luka Dean's out, we miss him more as an attacking threat, more so than defensively. Especially when you touched on yourself, Ben Godfrey's form. I don't think he's been missed massively from a defensive point of view, but I think that goal shown really how much we have missed Luca Dean from in an attacking sense. Um, and yeah, for me that was a perfect example of it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally agree. I think you know, then then early then early fixtures, you know, where we were picking up those points and we were top of the league, it was quite evident there. You know, we were solid, but we, you know, we had. Um, we had the lads in midfield, you know, really sitting back and they were tight. You know, uh, Alan in particular, you know, just sitting in front of that back four. Uh, that allowed, you know, Luca Dean to fly up that wing. And like you said, he was, he was, his attack was more was more of a threat for us rather than defensively. And we definitely missed them, 100% missed yeah. them. Yeah. And for you, Andy, what, what were your thoughts on that goal? Yeah, brilliant goal. Uh, I was really impressed with the Wobie. Uh, the, the move, you know, he can be quite um, poor in the final third. So I, I was really glad to see him put that pass in. But then his movements off the ball, um, looking to get the ball in the way, he opens up his body and puts it uh, to the side of the keeper, made it really difficult, you know, put it back to where the ball was coming from. 
Uh, but yeah, Dean, it just seemed to give us a lot more balance on that left wing uh, but without having the defensive um, you know, responsibilities. But at the same time, with him being a, a left-back, he, he was naturally coming back into that position as well. So I just think it worked really well. But in terms of the goal, I just you've seen Dean, the threat he's been this season. He's linked up with anyone who's been in front of him, really, whether it's been the Charles and whether it's been Bernard. Um, you know, and then you've seen it the other day in a bit of a different formation, but the threat he had and another goal coming from that, that he was involved in. So he, he is very influential for us, definitely. Yeah. And I've got to say, Lee, for ourselves, well, no, for me, really, I was scathing of a Wobie last season and I thought his contribution was minimal. But, I, you know, as much as he hasn't been a fan of him, I think hats off to him. He's been given a, an extended run in the team. And I think he does now deserve to be starting week in, week out. For you, Lee, when Evan signed him, did you think that he had this in his locker or, or were you a bit worried about what he would actually bring to Everton? I think initially the, the, there was a lot of pressure on, on him um, and then a lot of expectation from, from probably us as fans, given the, the price tag. You know, and I think that's a common theme, isn't it, within within English football, especially with you know young younger talent as such. And you know, he is is spotting Arsenal. He was kind of in and out the team. He, I don't think he he played in his best position there. You know, for me, Wobie's one of those players. Exactly how he played against Wolves. You know, he's good at cutting inside. You know, getting that ball over. And I think the first initial few games for me this season, he just seemed like he was lazy. Um, like Andy said before, you know. That threat in the final third just didn't seem to be there. He, it's it's like he, he lacked that composure. He, he seemed confused uh, when he got into the final third. He didn't know what to do with the ball or where to go with it. Um, and I think personally, you know, the last last four or five games watching him, you know, I think he's really stepped up. You know, he's played a lot better. He seems to be playing a lot more calmer as well. He's he's, he's got his head up a lot more, and you know, he's looking round and he's getting involved in the game. Like you said, you know, contribution wise. Although sometimes there's not that much, what I find he's doing now is he's not just running around like an headless chicken. He's picking his moments. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's it. Yeah, you may hear a brilliant point about him being calm on the ball. He was quite erratic early mm. doors, wanting to do everything, you know, a million mile an hour. But yeah. I think he has calmed his football down. But I think probably it's the trust the manager put in him, isn't it? You know, starting week in, week out. Um I suppose it'll be interesting moment when we do have a fully fit side, you know, Calvert-Lewin, Allen, Richarlison back on the side, whether he looks to put Hammers further forward or whether a Wolby's made that position his own. So yeah. it's good, you know, it's good to have those options. Um, so yeah, moving on then, unfortunately, the, the lead didn't last long. Um, Ruben Neves equalising. I mean, the frustration for me, and I know, you know, a lot of fans feel as though Certain people on social media pick on him, but, but you know the frustration for me was that Tom Davis could have really avoided the, the corner. Um, it looked as though he fell onto the ball when really he could have stopped it and cleared it. But what I would say after that, I mean, it wasn't just Davis. We do clear that corner, and then the corner is skimmed, isn't he? And when the ball comes in, Evans' defence seems to be ball watching, and there's two on mark on the back post. For you, Lee, how, how did you see the, the Wolves equaliser? I mean, if it just sums up Davis, I think, for me. I think he, he tends to play himself into trouble uh, and then he's kind of always make, trying to make up for it. Um, you know, he's still young, still very young. It feels like he's been around for ages, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I personally think he, he could do with a stint away from the club, you know, alone somewhere where he's he's playing regularly. He's playing in a position that uh, suits him more. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of them, isn't it, Neves? He's a, he's a quality player. You've got to be closing him down. And, um, you know, you've, you've, you can't give him give him that space, really, to, to be giving him that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, I think Wolves deserved it, to be honest. They were putting the pressure on us. Um, and, you know, I think we needed that kick up the arse, to be honest, and to get us back on track and get our focus back in the game. How did you see it, Andy? I mean, you share Lee's opinion about Davis, don't you? Um, do you think we're being too critical here, or do you think he, he could have really prevented that corner? I, I mean, he could have prevented a corner, but also at the same time, and I was quite critical at the time of, of Davies, but I do think it's quite harsh, really, because we have got a defender that, you know, a, a corner that we need to defend and we need to do 
the basics and everyone needs to take the responsibility. Davis included in that in the in the build up to the corner. So, you know, I, I'd only put you know the equal blame on him for for the goal itself. It's quite harsh. Because I think if it's another player, I think if it's Rodriguez or it's a you know Decore or someone else, I, I think he, he, he doesn't get the same scrutiny really in that situation. I could be wrong, um, but yeah, I just feel that you know the mistake happened and it's about getting regrouping and, and making sure that we defend that corner. Um, and I don't think we defended it well. And I think that that's what I, I'll blame more so than, you know, of course it was avoidable, the corner itself, but you know, rather than blaming that, um, Davies part of the game himself. I suppose that that's fair enough, isn't it? Because, you know, we did clear the corner. It wasn't as if he scored from the corner. We did clear it. And then, you know, it was when they come back from the corner, we didn't do our job. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, after that, the game sort of settled down. Pickford had some routine saves to make before the break. Um, and then other than Neves' effort, which if never scored in the second half, that would have been a worldie, to be fair. It did seem to fizzle out. But, I mean, for myself, uh, I messaged Stanley at the time. Like, I felt as though it was there for Everton. Um, and obviously, McKean puts his shoe up with 13 minutes to go. You know, we're well on the way. Yeah. Um just on Michael Keane, I thought that was the icing on the cake for, for, it, for him because that performance, I thought him and Mina are all like the solid. But actually, Michael Keane's passing on the night, I thought was superb. And it's something that I actually, I haven't appreciated myself until, you know, being highlighted on social media. He's probably been one of Everton's best passers of the ball in terms of distribution. Um, I mean, I know it's Everton, but, you know, once he scores that, I was confident that we'd go on and win it. What, what did you make of the goalie and also just on Michael Keane's performance himself? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. I love those goals, you know, those fizzing and, and just get up yeah. there and whack it in. I mean, you know, playing myself a long time ago, the passion, you know, when you just, that, that ball comes over and you just edit it in with power and you just, it, it takes the game to another level, doesn't it? And I, I love all that. I think with Keane, I agree with you. I, I watched um, I watched some clips back of of Keane because I was really kind of critical myself about Keane. You know, in the past, I, I thought he was very nervy on the ball. Um, yeah. In the past, and I thought he really struggled with his confidence. Um, you know, and then he had a bit of time out the team, and I was thinking, Do you know what, this is it for him. I don't think he's going to get back in the team here. Um, and to be fair, mate, he's come back in and absolutely totally agree with you in the sense of. Watching some of his passes, some of them long passes, he's 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 running out from the back a lot more, you know, with a bit more confidence. He's seeing those corners, whether it's with Charlton, Bernard, Rodriguez, even Calvert Lewin, you know, with those balls down and Calvert Lewin's bringing them down, holding it up. Um, so you know, I think his performance, he deserved the goal. You know, it just topped a really good good performance off uh, for Keane, and and I think you know he's played well this season, although we've struggled at times. Um, I think he's been quite consistent, uh, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, but I agree with you, Lee. I mean, I've said it to Andy a lot that I find Michael Keane is such a, a confidence player, which is strange. Yeah. You don't normally, you normally associate that with strikers, not not so much sense at ours. But when Keane's not confident, everything you know he touches it, it turns into trouble. But yeah. since he's found this confidence, and especially in Mina, I think that there's a good partnership there. It's elevated his game so. Hopefully that's it now, and there's no more ups and downs with him. I mean, yeah. for you, for you, Andy, did you see this goal coming? You know, when when it looked as though it was heading for a draw, but we just it seemed to be there for for either or to go on and win it. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, and I think I said it at the time as well. Um, and it's been a few times this season. Uh, I know I remember saying about the Leeds game before Leeds went and got the goal. Um, but similar in this game, I knew it was going to go either way. I knew it weren't gonna, you know, stay a draw. I knew someone was gonna get it. It's whoever wanted it more, whoever applied mm. themselves the right way. So obviously, I made up. It was us, and we got the three points. But I, I do feel that um, there was gonna be a key moment in the game. Um, and just touching on what you've just been saying about Keane there, you know, exactly that. Something that probably been missing from his game over the last few years has, has been consistency. Yeah. And he's brought that this season, and there's been a few performances. And take away the goal through the night. He was still outstanding, mm. and as you said, that yeah. it with Mina, they, they seem to really at the moment. You know, he had, he had a bit of a difficult start against Man United. I think the whole defence did, you know, in the quarter final. But 
other than that, he's he's pretty much been consistent throughout. You know, not perfect, but um, you know, the Michael Keane that we were hoping that we had signed, and um, you know, he's shown shown glimpses of, but not uh, consistent throughout. Well, nearly half a season now, so hopefully the, the second half of the season is just as consistent. Yeah, I mean the way we defended on the night, I, I did say then that when Everton scored, I thought we would hold on for, for the win. You know, I say that the Corey gives a free kick on the edge of the area away, and that's always danger with Ruben Neves, and he did clip the post. Just after that, there was a half-hearted shout from Wolves for a penalty, which some journalists on social media, and I think Mark Halsey said, ex-referee, that should have been a penalty to Wolves. Did either of you feel Everton were lucky there? Looking at you, Andy, I don't even think you can, you can remember it. It was when um, it was a corner, last kick of the game, a corner comes in and Yeri Mina jumps up with his elbow. The, the fact you don't remember it is probably indicative of how soft it would have been. Um, basically, ball comes up, Mina heads it away, but he jumps with his elbow uh, and there is contact with his elbow on oh. his face. But... No, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a chance. How about you, Lee? No, I mean, it's it's one of them, isn't it? You know, I think they're bringing these, the laws and in the change in these laws about how players are, are jumping up. And um, I think it's just one of them. It's a bit of a scuffle, isn't it, in the box? I don't think there's no intent there. He hasn't deliberately elbowed him. It's just one of them, isn't it? He's gone up for the ball and it's definitely not a penalty. I think it's a it's a very silly penalty to give if, if, if they did give it very silly. Yeah, I agree, and I think a couple of years ago it wouldn't have even been mentioned, but no. it just seems to be one of those seasons where you've got a chance if there's any kind of contact, but I think Andy's reaction probably sums it up. That he's about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but Lee, for, you, for yourself, when you see Everton going away from home to the likes of Leicester and, and Wolves and obviously Spurs early on in the season, and you see Everton get all three points, Especially when you look at today in Liverpool and Man United drawing nil nil. If Everton were to win the game and they're above Liverpool, mm. who were obviously still one of the favourites to win the league, do you look at the seventh side and think that you know top four is a real possibility, or are you more cautious and look at the defeats of West Ham and Leeds and think you know we've still got a little bit, we've got a bit to go before we're at that level? It's 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 uh, I mean again going back to the start of the season you know I was really upbeat and I was like we've I think we've added a few missing pieces uh, of the puzzle you know um, we've struggled I think for a long time uh, in the midfield you know having that kind of decore and Allen type player um, you know we we never had that sort of partnership or that sort of um, types of players since like the likes of Fellaini and Kale and, and Arteta were in the team, that creativity, but, you know, they could get back and tackle as well. Um, and I think with Decore being that box-to-box, it's something we've missed. And then with Alan sitting in. So I was really optimistic and I thought, you know what? Things are good. We look good. We look a good solid unit. We've now got a bit of depth. But then, yeah, you, you know, you, you look at the results against, um, you know, Newcastle, Southampton, and then you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, and then we lose to Leeds, and then we lose to West Ham, and it's like it's that inconsistency with with Everton, and that's that's where we've been for a for a few seasons now. But at the same time, you know, I think we've got to be realistic in the sense of how many different managers we've had recently, you know, and there's still a lot of players there who've played for different managers, and I think Ancelotti needs that time to bring in his. The, the squad that he wants, the type of players that he wants. I think we can definitely still push for top four this season uh, if everyone's fit. Um, but it's just those games that are letting us down. You know, yeah. the likes of the Leeds and the West Ham's at home, their games, really, realistically, we should be winning given how these top top six sides are dropping points like again today. And, um, you know, we could capitalise on that and we just haven't took our opportunity. I think that's it. And then, you know, I know only that every every fan up and down the country can say what I'm going to say. But, you know, you look at West Ham and Leeds on their own, if we win those two games, we're top of the league. Yeah. So it's, on the one hand, you, you want to be realistic from the point of view that we have just finished 12th, you know, and, and this is Ancelotti's first full season. It'll take time. But on the other hand, for me personally, I just don't think it's that good a league. So 
I mean, when we lost to Newcastle, I wrote out an off the order altogether. And then there we are, you know, on Boxing Day, where we were right up there, you know, in the title race. And mathematically, you know, we are still in the title race. I think probably we're all in agreement. We're not, we're not at that level yet. But, yeah, I suppose it's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, whether we can bring anyone in this window, that might just elevate us to the next level. It's unlikely, but if we were to do that, it might just give us the edge. Um, just wanted to touch on Luca Dean. You know, we said it earlier about him playing left midfield. And you said it as well, Ben Godfrey has been excellent in that left-back spot. When Everton get from the Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, fully fit, up and running, and then Alan back, basically when Everton get, get the, the best team available, what do you do with, with Ben Godfrey? Because you've got Keane and Mina there centre off. Do you keep Ben Godfrey at left back and keep Luca Dean left mid, or something? Is something got to give there? I mean, I think just just for me personally, on on the basis of we 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 haven't missed them um, defensively wise, and I I think maybe it's time just push him on for a for a bit and keep Ben Godfrey in the team because that kid's just getting better and better. You know, he's hard working, he can put a tackle in, he can run with the ball, you know, he's quite skillful. You know, he can use both feet. Um, and you know, he, he's made some really crucial tackles. And uh, I, I'd keep him in, I'd maybe shift to a three at the back and, um, uh, you know, with Alan in front and, and have Luca Dean on one uh, on the left hand side as a kind of attacking sort of winger, if you like, you know, um, in more of a flatter sort of midfield. Um, I'd play them both, uh, but yeah. like you say, what who, who you're taking out the team, and it, it's our decision. And you know, it, it's it's going to be a good place to be in. Um, you know, for, for Ancelotti having those selection headaches, yeah. uh, but I'd definitely try and fit fit it, fit the two of them in the team in the first eleven. And for you, Andy, do you see Luca Dean long term as a midfielder, or do you think eventually he will go back into that left back spot? I think it all depends, really, doesn't it? You know, he, he was really effective, like coming back from injury, he's really effective against Wolves the other day. You know, I, I personally think that it's worthwhile, you know, giving him a few games there, maybe, or even even the next game, um, while he's still getting his fitness back as well. And he's got that protection right behind him. Uh, put him in there, you know, if we're still creating a lot of chances, we're still a threat down that left hand side, then you'd be, you'd be a fool to change it. And I mean, Carlo knows, knows the score. We've said on this podcast over 100 times, like, he knows what he's doing, do you know what I mean? He's the man, but um, he'd be afraid to change something if we were really effective with it. And I think he was against Wolves the other night. Um, yeah. As you said, you know, something has to give in that situation. We've got Richardson playing down the left and Calvert Loon up front. If we go to a 4 4 2, but then where does that leave Rodriguez? Do you know what I mean? So there's all these headaches that he's going to have. And it's as, he, as these are both said, exactly, they're both good headaches to have. It's not that we're struggling to, to who we're going to put in because of injuries or something like that. It's a really positive uh, situation, you know, even considering even whether Richardson comes out of the team to, uh, you know, to accommodate that, that, that shows that how, you know, it's a good headache. Yeah. And just wanted to, to ask you about what do you make at, at the minute of this campaign to get football players to stop celebrating? Everton seems to get Get it a bit when when you know they were celebrating Keane's winner. Start start with you, Lee. What do you make of of this you know campaign to get players to stop celebrating the goal? I mean, it's 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 one of them, isn't it? You know, as a fan, you know, I, I think I've got a different opinion than I have as a as a professional, really. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, in my day to day job, you know. I'm a, I'm abiding by these rules. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm keeping me two meter distance as much as I can, and I'm, you know, I'm not going round hugging my work colleagues. And I get the, 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 um, the passion, and you know, football's always been like that, and it always will be. You're never going to be able to take that away. Um, you know, I noticed Madison um, in his celebration um, when he scored for Leicester, and he was like pushing them away, and you know, the, the thingy high fives, but. It's it's hard, isn't it? Because these players are, are spending a lot of time together as well with training, and you know, like I said, you know, you score a last minute winner, you just want to go over and give your your, your teammates a hug. Maybe you've just whipped the ball in, or who's passed it through to you. Um, 
I think, you know, yeah, this campaign, people will always campaign for a lot of different things in, in football. And yeah, you know, these guys are, are there to set an example and they're in the public eye. But I just think there's there's better things to be campaigning about than asking players not to give each other a hug when they score the goal, to be honest. Yeah, I think that, that's it. I mean, I, I'm no scientist, but like for me, if it's unsafe, unsafe to celebrate a goal, then it's got to be unsafe to defend the corner and yeah. put a wall up for a free kick. You, mm-hmm. you don't leave a gap in a wall for a free kick. So you, you literally st- stood next to someone else. And, you know, these players travel on the same coach and they get changed together. So if, if celebrate the goal poses a major risk, then I just wonder how safe it is to play the game anyway. Um, yeah. For you, Andy, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think that if they're making a decision to continue football, you know, elite or elite sport, you know, in a, in a contact sport such as football, that comes with knowing that there's going to be contact. Because it, it's impossible to eradicate it out of the game. Now, I understand them putting measures in place to try and stop or reduce the amount of contact between players as much as possible. I understand them trying to do that. But at the same time, you know, what are they expecting? It's um, I, I, I'm, I've got no doubt that professional footballers are exactly the same as when they were amateurs or youth players. And the same as when I play football, I forget everything that's going on. And it's one of the reasons yeah. why a lot of people play football. It's great for you know your, your mental well-being. So yeah. it because it, it takes you out of reality. What's going on? And I, I just struggle to imagine Michael Keane scoring that goal. And it's the first all coming to him, oh, we can't do something because of the pandemic. It was just relief. It was sort of, it was joy. It was celebrating, sharing. It was emotion. And I don't think if you're going to continue football, then you need to understand that that's going to be part and parcel. It's not going to be a perfect science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? You're either accept it in its entirety. You know, you can't nitpick, can you? You're either accept the game in its entirety or you say it's unsafe. And if they say, um, and another thing as well, you know, if they say it's unsafe or it's it's it, it's given the public, you know, um, you know, messages that that things are okay, you know, and, and the way people perceive it, that, and it, and it needs to be cancelled, then so be it. But you, you can't say that if you continue, but then expect uh, unrealistic things, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That is it in a nutshell. And, and then on the. Just sticking on the COVID theme then, obviously we, we should have been analysing Villa away today. Um, it's been postponed with the COVID outbreak. When, when you see Aston Villa field and under 23 slash under 18 team against Liverpool in the cup, does it make the decision to postpone this one a bit dif- more difficult to take or do you, do you accept that it's different rules for the cup and the league? I mean, start with you, Lee. What was your take when you found out that the game was postponed? Um, I mean, to be honest, I was more frustrated when the City game got called off, you know, with, with such short notice. And, you know, given the size of their squad, they could, could have quite easily have fielded the team. Um, you know, I think with the Villa situation, I think they were in a, in a, in a situation where I think it was, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. There was just too many players and, and staff, um, you know, having to isolate. And, um, you know, obviously they fielded that, that young side in the cup, which is a great opportunity for those kids, you know, it really was. And, you know, I think for me, it's it's trying to take the positives out of, um, you know, the situation that we're in at the moment. And, you know, that FA Cup tie for them, you know, was a great opportunity, as I said, for those young kids to play against some real world-class talent. I mean, I was gutted it was off, but I think, you know, given the circumstances, it, it was probably for the best. Um, like I said earlier, you know, it was more kind of, Annoyed with with the the city one. Um, I think that was, you know, very cynical with that one. But I think the Villa one, yeah, I think it's understandable given the amount of uh, people that needed to isolate, and you know, it's just safer, wasn't it? To be fair. Yeah, I'm for you, Andy. I I just I think I mentioned that last week. I just wanted some consistency, really. I mean, I understand the different competitions, but um, if if it's not safe. As they said, you know, uh, it's right to be cancelled. It's right to be postponed, and whether people lose out or whatever. But I just, I just fear further down the line, there's going to be a situation where it happens to Everton, and we're going to be expected to feel the team. Um, 
I'm quite surprised by Villa that didn't put up more of a fight. Or I, maybe they did. Now I haven't heard it, but, uh, but about the FA Cup and having to field a, a young side rather than looking for trying to get it postponed. I don't know whether it was they already understood the rules, but I just think if that's the rules in the FA Cup, then it's the, it's the rules in the league or vice versa. Uh, you have yeah. postponement in the in the league, and you're also going to get because of the circumstances. And I just think that you know let's use some common sense here and. And make sure it's consistent between competitions. I understand that European competitions come under a different governing body, and you know it's a bit more difficult to to manufacture that. But I think with in in our football and in our country, then I'm sure that we can have some consistency between competitions. I think. Do you think there's there's a financial element to it? I mean, in the sense of you know, yeah. in regards to the league, there's more money involved. In the, you know what I mean compared to you know the the the, the the domestic tr- uh, cup, if you like, there's, there's more money, isn't there? And I think a lot of it's got to do with money, hasn't it? I think that's nail on the head, Lee. I think, you know, for Villa fans, they might be good to not to have a chance to win silverware, but I think for Villa, their point of view is we can take Carwin out to Liverpool, but we're not even you know, entertaining the possibility of playing a weekend team against Everton mm. because there's too much money. In every league position, there's millions at stake, yeah. so I think you've nailed it, but I, I do agree with you, and I agree with that statement about a universal approach. I know it's difficult because we're on a tight schedule, but I think that will bring a bit more clarity to, to the whole whole situation. But what I'm going to say next, I mean, you know, bear in mind, you know, public health is number one. Uh, you know, I'm not entertaining that Everton or anyone else should take advantage of, of playing weekend teams. But my thing with Everton now is they've had two games postponed with COVID, City and Villa. And I don't think it'll be the last. And, and as you said, Andy, comes towards the end of the season, what's going to stop the Premier League saying, there's all the games to play in a two-week window? I hope it, I hope if that's the case, Everton hold their own and say, we're going to dictate when we play these pictures. Because if we have a situation where we have to play Villa City and, I don't know, there's another game or two postponed in a short space of time, I don't think that'd be fair either, you know. So... It's okay postponing them now, but if the Euros goes ahead in the summer, you've got a short window to get the season finished. Yeah, I think as well. It was just on Talksport, wasn't it? I don't know whether you've seen it or, or have you seen it. Where he's saying that he thinks Villa have been quite privileged, you know, compared to the likes of Fulham at the moment. And what if it doesn't suit? When Everton, you know, when the games rescheduled? What if it doesn't suit? Or what if it causes injury? Or all this kind of stuff. And it's right, but. At the same time, it's going to be a level of understanding, hasn't it? That yeah, yeah. The situation we're in. So, uh, fingers crossed, um, you know, it's at a time that suits us, time when we've got... Yeah, and, and a positive with the game being cancelled as well. With You know, we've still got a few injuries. It gives the likes of Alan um, a little bit more time recovery before more fixtures come along. Um, you know, Dominic Cavalloon was struggling with an injury. Um, you know, it gives... Um, I forgot his name. Your <laughs> a little bit more... <laughs> Trying to do a bit more uh, training ground practice, you know what I mean, to, to get some um, minutes under his belt at Finch Farm, and hopefully we'll be in a better position moving forward. Obviously, it's difficult to, to know or say, but fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, hopefully it does work to our advantage. Um, moving on, then, lads, I wanted to touch on Wayne Rooney. Um, his announcements or the announcements of Wayne Rooney's Derby County manager brought his playing career to an end. Obviously, you know, played, started off with Everton and, you know, he never finished his career with us, but in terms of Premier League career, it did end at Everton. I just wanted to ask you both, how do you assess his time at Everton, both as a youngster and on his return? Because, I mean, I saw on social media, some Evertonians are entertaining the idea that he could be considered an Everton legend. Um, Start with yourself, Andy. What's your take on Rooney's career? At Everton, he, he he absolutely burst onto the scene, didn't he? And you could see the talent he had straight away, and how raw he was. Um, and he he just sort of the confidence for such a young lad, and, and coming on the score in that baby role, and he, he was out an outstanding talent. And and to, to be completely honest, it, it took a few years to partially forgive him for leaving. I don't think I fully got there. I don't think I fully hundred percent got there. I did support him when he came back. But um, I think it hurt that much when he left because he was such a talent and he was such an exciting um, part of the club. 
uh, when he come through, especially at a time as well where we were we've been struggling. Um, and I think it was just so refreshing to see a, one of our own come through who, who was such a talent and the goals he was scoring and sort of and just is how we how much he cared about Everton. I think it meant a lot to the fans. And then when he left, obviously that was a big blow um, to a lot of Evertonians, myself included. Um, but obviously he'd come he'd come back to the club after having a great career with Man United in England. Um, and obviously he weren't going to hit them heights. He'd, he'd been struggling for the season or two at Man United that year before he come back to us. And um, but all I can say is just an amazing talent. Uh, best of luck to him. But um, yeah, still having still having a hundred percent forgiven. And in terms of being a legend at the club, I, I personally say he wasn't. I do think he's the best talent that we've ever produced at the club. But um, in terms of the situation and around his his choices or you know whatever unfolded in his career and moving on to Manchester United and coming back later, I I wouldn't say he's a legend. But I don't know. I, I, I do agree with that, and I think the Dave Rooney left is probably the, this generation's Alan Ball moments when Alan Ball was sold to Arsenal. I don't think I'll ever get over that. I mean, for you, Lee, what, what's your assessments on, on Wayne Rooney and Everton? I'm going to be a bit controversial here, I think. I mean, yeah, I agree with Andy. You know, we burst on. I watched Rooney, you know, as a kid, you know. Um, Playing in the the youth side and watched him playing for England, uh, absolute talent, his pace, his strength. You know he was scoring goals for fun, um, and I, when he burst on the scene, I just knew you know he, he was going to be great. And um, I think at the time the players we had, um, you know, we were in a position where I think as a as an Evertonian, yeah, I was gutted he went, but as a player for his development, I think we we were going to be holding him back. I think we would have got a couple more seasons out of him. Um, so this is all Newcastle's fault for putting that bid in. Because <laughs> if Newcastle hadn't have put the bid in, I think Man U would have left it a little bit longer. Um, but obviously Newcastle bid, and then obviously um, Manchester United come in. And, you know, massive opportunity for, for a young English player to play with some of the some of the great players Man United had at that, that point in time, you know, playing for the Champions League, playing, you know, winning Premier League trophies, you know, becoming an England regular. Um, I agree with Andy as a legend. No, I, I don't think he's a legend. He's a he's a fantastic talent that that's come out of the club. Probably one of the best, you know, in my time since you know I, I've I've supported the club. Uh, probably ever to be honest, coming from the youth ranks. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's very raw in, in a lot of Evertonians' stomachs, isn't it? The fact that it was it was Man U where you know he's he's earned his credentials, if you like, and he's got his um, he's got his trophies and stuff. And yeah, when he came back, to be fair, you know, I just forgot about that time, and I just wanted to enjoy and embrace the fact that we've we've got such a, a fantastic player back at the club. Um, and yeah, like Andy said, good luck to him. You know, he's he's starting off at a, at a really tough, tough place. You know, it's it's gonna hit him hard. Um, and you know, he, I think he needs all the luck that he's gonna he's gonna get, mate. Because he's, I think it's gonna be a tough, tough job for him. Yeah, I I, I agree with you both. In terms of an Everton legend, if Wayne Rooney's an Everton legend, then the likes of Romelu Lukaku and Everton legends because, you know, they've they done a lot more for Everton. Mm -hmm. I think because he is one of England's greatest ever players, there might be a tendency to say that, but, but as you both point out, that wasn't with Everton. Um, I think, for me, when you look at his decision to leave, and he went on to win what he did, it was a no-brainer to leave Everton, but as an Evertonian, you know, from the city, I personally can't help but just feel a bit shortchanged. I mean, he probably was the, the most talented player the club's ever produced. And, you know, what did we get for it? I mean, he was gone at 18 and he come back towards the end of his career. I don't know. I mean, for me, I look at, you know, Totti at Roma, Gerard at Liverpool. And I know both of those players were in better teams and in better situations than Everton. Obviously, we were fighting relegation at the time. But I just would have liked a, a bit more, say, you know, service from a local lad and, even, you know, for me, I look at Jack Grealish at Villa now. Grealish is head and shoulders above everyone at Villa. But even, you know, in their situation, he's gave them a bit more time. So, 
Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm with Andy. I don't think I'm ever going to forgive him for what he's done. But, you know, in terms of what he went on to win, then I don't think anyone could argue. What, what I would say, and I think this is probably controversial because he's won everything that there is to win in the game, I don't think he ever fulfilled his potential on the pitch. Mm. And I know that it, it does sound that, but what I mean is, for me, watching him at 16, he was world-class. He was absolutely amazing. And all I could think as a kid was, when this lad is like 27, 28, he's going to be at next level. And what I mean by, you know, not fulfilling his potential, if you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he's playing for events at similar age, and Rooney's now managing Derby after playing for Derby County, Dallas. Was it Dallas? Oh, no, sorry, DC United. DC United, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what I mean is, I mean, although he won everything there is to win and he scored England's all-time top goal scorer, I just think he had another level in him that, yeah. you know, he, he could have got to. But either way, it, you know, his best his best seasons were unfortunately away from Everton. Um, but yeah, I agree with you both. Good luck to him. And I think if he does make it as a manager, I think it's nailed on at some point he, he will come and manage Everton. I just hope as a manager he doesn't do a moise <laughs> and go to United. <laughs> yeah. All over again. Um, so, yeah, moving on then to Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup. I know it's a difficult one because we don't play for another week. And obviously, this one could be in doubt depending on how Sheffield Wednesday recover from their outbreak. Um, do you think Kevin will play the strongest 11 in this one just to make sure, you know, everything's sick and get everyone back to full fitness? Start with you, Andy. I think they've got it. Um, I, I think if you know, it's been that long. I think we've already spoken about it. It's been that long since we've won a trophy. I think we've been underestimating teams in the cups. I think it, we're going to the recipe for disaster early, and it wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put a past um, Sheffield Wednesday to get a result. Uh, if we put a week inside out, you know, you've seen it the other week against Rotherham. You know, we we struggled, and on another day we would have went out. So I think we we really need to be careful. We may need to make sure that we're putting out a full strength squad. We we're not complacent. We give Chef Webb respect and, and give the cup the respect it deserves. Um, and make sure, as I say, come on with the three points. But um, make sure we go through to the next round against Tottenham and and make sure we're in it. And and that's all we can do. All we can do is you know turn up on the day and play to the best that we possibly can and and proceed in in the tournament. Yeah. And for you, Lee, do you see this game as maybe an opportunity for the likes of Nkonku, Anthony Gordon? Or are you with Andy? Do you think we just need to play our first 11 and make sure that you know we're playing Tottenham in the next round? No, I, I, want, us, I want us in the fifth round, mate. I, I want a strong team. I want us to kick on. I want us to... If there's, there's any time to win something, it's, it's now. The situation we're in, whether they... I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but, you know... We've got an opportunity to to get in the Champions League and maybe win a trophy, uh, be in the FA Cup. Uh, so for me, it's it's get the strongest eleven out, give them a good run out because it's going to be a while since they've played, um, you know. And then let's kick on against Leicester then, and, and hopefully keep the um, keep the run going. But I definitely want to see us in the fifth round, strongest team for me. I want us, I want our hands on that trophy this season. I agree with all that. So then, you know, presuming we do go through to the next round, which we all expect, what, what are your thoughts on Tottenham? Is that a winnable one, Goodison? Yeah, um, I, I think it is. I think Tottenham are, are playing a couple, of, a few tough fixtures, and you can see, um, you know, I think we've just got to get in at them uh, again. You know, putting our strongest team out. We showed that away. I know they're a different side now and they've had time to, to play together and, you know, they're, they're doing all right. But I think if we just get at them and, and just, we just got to want it more. I think we've just got to want it more. I don't think Mourinho's respected the, that Sophie, um, you know, in his career while he's been in England. And I think not on say, I think he's, his priority is getting Tottenham in the Champions League. And, and I think his priority is trying to get, you know, top four. He, and he wants to be pushed on for the league because I think there's a lot more to lose for Tottenham um, in regards to the Premiership um, player-wise and, and where they go uh, and where they move forward. I think for us, you know, we, we just need a trophy and I think if we give it our, our all, I think we can take that trophy home this season. Fingers crossed. I, I, should, I should have said there, 
shouldn't disrespect Wickham. There's always a possibility of Wickham in the next round, yeah. but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be our luck. Um, Lee, me, me and Andy have, have obviously, in the last podcast, we've already touched on the, the January transfer window, and for the two of us anyway, we'd like to see another forward in a centre midfielder come in. Um, I don't know how likely it's going to be with Colwood and Brexit and it doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything this window, but no. for, for yourself, uh, do you have any wishes uh, as to who you'd like to see come in? I mean, I, I, I'd like to see someone, I think we definitely need um, someone supporting Calvert-Lewin. You know, we need someone to um, definitely need a striker and I think it's quite clear um, that we need someone in the centre of the park um, you know, to, to that's got that better quality than the likes of Davis. Um, you know, I think who's out there, you know, I've heard different rumours um, about different players. I think I even heard on one one Twitter page, Deli Alley, um, as a potential loan. And then there's the young kid from um, from Germany as well, isn't he? The young striker. Joshua yeah. um, so Joshua or something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. What are we? We're on the 17th now. So there's still time. Um, I know that it was the uh, the Everton AGM meeting the other day, uh, so I'm, I was due to watch something and I haven't watched it yet, um, just to see how that went, because I know Brands obviously spoke there and, and as did Ancelotti, but um, I do think we need someone coming in, we need a striker, and I agree with you both, you know, striker and the sentiment, definitely. But I don't know who's on the radar. I'm not. I'm not hearing that many rumours at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, there's not a lot happening from, mm. from the face of it. I do think that he might be in for the Bayern Munich lad. He was on trial a while ago. Um, yeah. I mean, he's only 19, so I don't know whether he's the, the lad to support Lewin. But I just think that it's one of those scenes that if you get a player to elevate you to the next level, it could make the difference. But yeah. I know January is difficult for that. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it's just frustrating, isn't it? You know, we've got bloody Moish Keane out there scoring goals for PSG, and it's just like, you know, it's one of them situations, isn't it? You know, he's clearly more suited to, to that team and, and that league than he is in the Prem and Everton. Yeah. That's it. Good luck to him. Me and Andy have spoken. We both think that that's probably a time up with Everton. If, yeah. if you're doing well at Paris Saint-Germain with Mbappe, Neymar, why would you... Come back to Everton where you're not getting the look in it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. You know, good, good luck to him. But Lee, I know your time's precious. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, I, I saw on Twitter that you know you are quite active online, and I touched on it before we come on. I saw um, you, you're doing something with Marine, yeah, on, on football manager, which we can watch on Twitch. Yeah, can you just tell our listeners a bit about what you're doing and why you're doing it? Yeah, um, I mean, I started off with with, with Switch really as a, as a kind of viewer. It was uh, it was it was a world I never knew. You know, for me, football manager was just me sitting in front of a screen on my own. You know, playing a game that I enjoyed and and being in a virtual world and and taking my favourite club Everton to you know to the top of the world basically. Um, and then you know, over the last three or four years, I've, I've started watching stuff on YouTube and I just getting to know kind of like what they call content creators, um, you know, and, and when you look at what they do and the time and effort they put in and the following they've got, you know, some of them are quite influential, um, you know, and, and they're making a lot of money. Um, so I started to kind of get active on Twitch by just watching a YouTuber um, that I used to watch and he moved over to Twitch. So I got involved in his chat and his community and quite quickly um, saw that a lot of people were, were struggling and I was watching it across a number of different streams. Um, so there's a platform which is called Discord, which is kind of like a chat room um, and each streamer or each community has their own. Um, you know, and with being a mental health nurse, I suggested um, to, to this particular community, you know, why not put a mental health section in your, in your Discord? I'm quite happy to offer some support and advice to people. Um, you know, I can talk to them, I can, you know, put a, some guidance in there and, and then evolve a mindset kind of started as well. Um, and all of a sudden it just started to kind of blow up. And then before I knew it, I ended up streaming myself, um, you know, on Twitch and I created a, a channel and, you know, a lot of people who were within that Twitch world have said to me, like, 
the, the, the rapid speed in which the channels grew. I think as we speak now, I'm, I'm on just over uh, 1.5 thousand followers um, on on uh, Twitch itself, and you know, into the the 90s with subscribers, which is massive. Um, you know, so what I'm being told, but I think for me, it's I have a bit of fun in my streams, and you know, I, I, I've been doing an Everton save, um, which I'm going to do offline, but. You know, a lot of people come in, especially with COVID, they're struggling, they're isolated, um, and they just want to reach out. They just want some support. And I've offered that platform, and, you know, with having the association with Evolving Mindsets really give me, you know, an Evolving Mindset, a different place to promote and raise awareness for mental health. And, um, you know, I've been streaming some of the sessions that we deliver as well, which have, have gone down really well. We're getting, you know, 40, 50 viewers in them, Um which, you know, is really, really good on an average in regards to, to, the, to viewership. And, you know, we've sold a lot of merch to people within the, within the Twitch whale community. So, you know, it's, it's really good. And I think, you know, the longer I'm doing it, the better I'm getting. But I think the more professional I've got to start being. Uh, but, yeah, I've just started the Marine save. So uh, hopefully uh, that's going to go well. And um, I do tend to stream pretty much later on in the night time. It really starts as a laugh, you know, a bit of late night with Limo and just having a drink and just having a bit of a party. And we've got a bit of a theme song in there from from Jerry Cinnamon, Tesco Bag. So there's a load of emotes and it's just, it's fun. And people go away from the stream smiling and the feedback we're getting is is amazing. And, and I've, built a, I've built an amazing community as well. Uh, I've built a, a Discord myself called the Scouts House. Um, and that's got like oh, man, enough 220 uh, people in that, which again is is huge when you look at and compare it to some of the other discords out there. So I'm enjoying it. It's good and it's raising awareness. And I think, like I said, it's it's putting evolving mindset on a different platform and reaching out yeah. to a different sort of audience where there's there is a massive gap in in online gaming and in that sort of community, a huge gap. That does. It sounds class, to be fairly. Fair play. And look, I appreciate you coming on because I know that you're doing that tonight, so I don't want to keep you much more. But good luck with your Marine team, anyway. Cheers, buddy. Awesome. <laughs> so, so that's it for, for this week's episode of Talking Toffees. Hopefully, we are back in action next week as we look to progress to the fifth round in the cup. Lee, thanks again for taking the time out to come on tonight. Much my, appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Very welcome. So thanks everyone for listening. Up the top is 